You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Ladies and gentlemen, you can flee the country, you can change your name. You can call me now for your free reading, but send me 60 bucks first. But nothing, nothing will save you from the watch list. No matter what Miss Cleo says, you are on the watch list. I, I am certainly sound Indian. No matter what it is, you are still... Call me for your free reading now. None of these cards matter because you are still on the watch list. Mr. Bombastic. That's what that <laughs> I, just, I don't know why every time I hear that accent, it just makes me think of Simpsons because of... Everybody thinks of the Simpsons. What's his name? Abu. Abu. Yeah. Abu. Abu is the... Wait, is the, Abu the monkey on Aladdin? Yes. <laughs> Apu and Abu. <laughs> Abu and Abu. They're going to make their own film. <laughs> Apu and Abu, take on Detroit. <laughs> I would watch that for sure. Bo <laughs> show. Now, I thought... Because Holly is just like a Jamaican. She works like 17 jobs. So I thought she was going to be a, a little bit later because uh, I had a book I was going to review well, before she got here. But she's here and she ruined everything. Um, uh, I want to still hear this review of this book. Yeah, if you want to. Maybe. I don't know if I'm sharing it. Well, there's these two books sitting on the table here and. It's got me really curious. No. Well, I only read the one. That makes <laughs> it just for, the other one's for show. <laughs> the other one's one I'm about to read. Uh, but, okay, so long story short, um, I was talking to uh, one of the general managers of uh, some St. Louis uh, stores, Fantasy Books, Inc., um, you know, a, a chain of comic book stores. And for some reason or another, we were driving around, and I felt compelled I don't know out of nowhere. Now, I don't believe in chance. But I decided to tell him about my Sarah Connor-like breakdown in front of Jason about the Mandela effect. Awesome. And I told him all about it. And he was. And the funny thing was, he turned to me and he goes, it was like the lights got dim. And he's like, Casey, I've been hip to all this stuff like way back in college before anybody else was. <laughs> and he's like, but I get what you're saying. He's like, we would study, you know, um, physics and alternate dimensions all the time. And every time, you know, we, we would meet in lecture, we'd have something else that we discovered. And we were really into it until one day, you know, I was going to bring him something that I found. And he said, no, because my wife is going to leave me if I keep obsessing about this. He goes, so no, I get it, and it's a scary thing. But he did make a book suggestion to me based on that, and it's called Echo by Terry Moore. It is This is the complete edition, so that's why it's like 600 pages. But it's a comic book, so you know you can blow through like 20 pages in 10 minutes. Um, it's very good. I'm almost finished with it. Um, it even has a Harlan Ellison quote on the back, and that's, you know, excuse me, rare for comics. Um, but... Is exactly as he described. You think it's a, a superhero book at first, but it isn't. It actually uh, does talk about the um, the Hadron Collider and you know alternate dimensions and um, mm. physics and, and questions like that. Um, basically, there's an explosion in the sky, and this woman gets this sort of shrapnel from 
the explosion on her body and it starts to morph onto her. And you think she's about to become a superhero, but it's something more deep than that. She's actually wearing someone else's DNA. That person becomes a part of her in a different dimension. And yeah, it's really, really, really good. It's really intense. And the, the entire book, I have to say, plays out like a movie. It is very much frame by frame, and that's why it's like 600 pages, because it's every single frame. Um, and it moves really fast, but not so fast that you're like, whoa, how do we get here? Uh, it's very entertaining, ropes you in, and it's one of the most riveting comics I've read uh, to date. Um, so on that same wavelength, um, I'm reading essays uh, by um, Aldous Huxley, who wrote uh, Brave New World. It's called Doors of Perception, and includes his essays called Heaven and Hell, and it's all about his observations under the influence of LSD. Ooh. Yeah, see, everybody got excited about that. Like, ooh, <laughs> you do the drugs for me, and then tell me what it's like. <laughs> I just, I tried doing my eyeliner when I took acid before, and it was, it didn't work out, so I can't even imagine, <laughs> like, writing a book. There's a chapter right here, how to do eyeliner correctly. I just thought about um, the government experiments that's what i thought of oh yeah the um god if if james was calling i need no um what the hell is it called i I talk about all the time uh they address it in uh the men who stare at goats and i can't even think of what it is but yeah you're right the um kml experiments trying to remember exactly what it's called um dang it (laughs) i don't want to pick up my phone because it's cheating wait can i google it yeah, you know, I'm, see, it's not cheating if <laughs> I Google if, it for you. If a third party Google's it, it's me. <laughs> it doesn't oh. count. What am I googling? Uh, <laughs> LSD military experiment. It's oh go- yeah, it's gonna come up. And I, I, I heard how, about like, this. I, I, why am I having a brain fart? I don't know. The Men Who Stare at Ghosts is a very good movie too. Which I'm actually about to read that book next because I hear it's a quick read and. I'm just kind of on that wavelength, so I've been like... Didn't it start with an Emerson Hunt? Yeah, it did. MK Ultra. MK Ultra. I knew it. I almost said the M- MLK. I just- <laughs> <laughs> like, what? The what MLK Martin Luther King? <laughs> Which you didn't know. He had a lot of dreams Seems on LG. So- <laughs> <laughs> Seems so normal for being on so much acid. <laughs> he wasn't on the acid. Ooh. Other people were. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It all makes sense now. You know what? They're starting to actually do um, clinical (laughs) trials. Okay. Loosely termed clinical trials of uh, using LSD in very, very small, like, micro doses to treat um, depression and, you know, Mental disorders. Oh yeah, and we we talked about this a few shows back, and we were talking yep. about the microdoses and of it. Also, they're using MDMA to try and treat it in microdoses as well. Right, right. To try but, and like even people serotonin out and be like, oh, you have none. Let's give you like lots and see if it evens out or some. And you know, right. It's not like they're <laughs> taking like a triple stacked, you know, little pill or something but it's it's you know in a controlled environment an mri machine and in a controlled environment what happens. Which america is not yeah that's the thing you know i mean it only i was just telling dave out there because now well there's a donation box for the snacks which which i'm totally down with i just gave 10 bucks so i got 10 bucks worth of snacks 
Oh, you got <laughs> snacks for days. You right? got like two big. I just bought the bar. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's just my point that I'm like, man, it only takes a few assholes to ruin everything, mm-hmm. and it really does. And in American culture. That's how we are. And that's the only thing that scares me is just that, like, yeah, in a perfect world, I would love to do LSD. But you know what? I have a very addictive nature, and so does the rest of America. You know what, though? I like shrooms. I do them, like, every couple, few years, like, when I go camping. And it's just a couple caps. It's not like I'm eating, like, a quarter. and like, oh, my God, I can see crazy shit. Right. You know? And that's fine. You just get, like, this little body buzz, and you're, like, canoeing down the river, and you're like, oh, my God, everything's awesome. You know, but I mean, anything more than that. And I'm just like, I might trip out and I probably don't want to be on the water. And who knows what's going to happen. Right. So you have to be really careful with it. Yeah. You don't want to be alone either. No, no. But I mean, for a couple caps of some moderately like, you know, strength, uh, moderate strength uh, mushrooms, like going camping, like that's cool. You're not going to trip balls and freak out and like see crazy demon faces you know coming at you. You know what's crazy though? Is I There was a woman and Kelly sent me this video once. She was, gosh, she was probably in her 60s. Mm-hmm. She had a brain tumor and she went to a, she was, you know, all about this because she had like, you know, a, a terrible prognosis. And like death. Yeah. And so she she felt like she was on her way out and she went to this sort of mushroom. um, I don't want to say party because it wasn't like that. It was a clinical environment. Right. Um, And they were all doing shrooms and they were doing guided meditation. And she said this was her first time ever taking shrooms that she went up into her own head, saw the tumor and moved it. She is now cancer free. Shut the front door. I know. That's what mm-hmm. I said, too. So b- believe it or not, mm-hmm. that's just what I saw in the video. That's right. what she if said. If I get a brain tumor, I'm going to go out and do some mushrooms. And I'm going to move that bitch right out of my head and I'll be <laughs> fine. Like, ew, it's all squishy. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. Right. Um, but, yeah. So that those are my reads. I'm on that wavelength and just wanted to share that. But... Holly, I read a post that she made um, yesterday. Was it yesterday? I made it today, but I watched the documentary uh, yesterday. I think it was. But I posted about it today on my lunch break. Because I kept thinking about it. (laughs) Dead silence. It was about, now, it was about the illegal organ trade. In which country was it? Philippines. What was the documentary called? Uh, I actually was trying to think of what it was called because I couldn't remember because he played it on his phone. And, uh, yeah, because I looked it up and, I mean, there's one that was on HBO that, um, and I was trying to figure out if that was the exact one that we watched. Um, Because there was one, I think it was from 2012 or 13. And let me see what that one's called. But it was pretty much like the same thing. Give me a minute. Yeah, because in the meantime, like when I read that post, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a great catalyst for a show. Um, Because who hasn't heard the urban legends of people waking up in motel bathrooms? I mean, there's been movies made about it. Right. In like a bathtub of ice because somebody stole their kidney. It's for sure definitely happened. Right. That's what I feel like. I actually have a list of because they talked about like urban legends but they're like these are actually the top 10 stories that are true about people being assaulted for their organs that's crazy 
I thought what was that, that one movie where uh, they went like on a trip and it was like to Europe somewhere. They hostel? stayed in a hostel. Was it? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Hostel. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Um, the one on okay. HBO was Tales from the Oregon Trade, which is pretty much the same exact thing if it, if it wasn't. Was yours on Netflix or was it on HBO? He played it on his phone. Honestly, I don't even remember what <laughs> thing he played it off of, but because um, he's been switching between all these different things we've been watching. But uh, yeah, so this was about the Ill- illegal organ trade that goes on in the Philippines. Um and it just really stuck with me because I think that a lot of times when we're in our own bubble and we don't realize what happened, I don't want to say we don't realize what happens out of the United States, but since we only experience living here, um, for any of those who has never, never lived in another country, we don't think about all the poverty and, you know, things such as not having health care or, uh, or having to sell your organs to support your family. And that was the sad downside of this documentary was that um, these people were so poor that they, this one guy was selling bananas for a dollar a day. He would only make a dollar a day and he had two or three kids. And so I remember he said to his wife in the film that, um, she asked him how much he made that day and he said he only made a dollar and she's like, okay, well that will get us, you know, rice enough rice for the kids to eat. So they couldn't eat Jeez. themselves for that day. <clears throat> and he, um, so the way that it works is kind of like a pyramid, uh, kind of process where the doctor's on top and then they have these people who are sent out to look for people willing to give up their organs like their kidneys and such. And uh, some t- and those people make money off the people who, who donate their organs. And then the people who give their organs make around $4,000 if they're lucky. So there that seems like a lot of money, but um, it can be used quickly. And then after that, like the one guy, he used on... It was really sad. He used it on uh, remodeling his house. And uh, the day after they did the filming, they put up that his house burned down because there was a fire that caught him. Yeah. So he just used all that money from selling his kidney and then his house burns down. So um, the one guy was trying to find a person to sell his kidney to so that he could get money because he wanted to start a business and that's the one who was selling the bananas. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just really sad that, you know, people have to sell their organs to try to support their family. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm grateful to have a system where we can opt to, hey, this guy's an organ donor. You know, because honestly, I <clears throat> after I'm gone, it it doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? Take my liver, my eyeballs, whatever you want. I mean, I'm not here anymore. And if it's going to benefit somebody else, then why not? So they were saying that, you know, obviously you can live with one kidney, but the thing is that these people who are trying to make money off of it by selling theirs, um, you know, they're poor and they're in poverty. So 
they can't afford to eat well and they can't afford to treat themselves well or go see a doctor. Right. So after they have this done, their bodies get very sick and they sometimes die because they can't eat well. And, and when you have one kidney missing, it's a, you know, they were saying how you have to eat healthy after that because your oh, body yeah. is not able to um, properly filter the blood. Yeah. You know, it's, it's working a lot that. harder. Right. With just one kidney. So they're not getting their regular checkups and they're also not eating, you know, good food. Uh, the one guy said that he went back to work and he wasn't supposed to do strenuous exercise after you have your kidney taken out right after. And uh, he was having flu-like symptoms and he couldn't go to the doctor because he couldn't afford it. So he doesn't know. He's like, he told his wife, uh, if I die, just, you know, you got to support the kids. So do whatever. Jeez Louise. So he's like, if I don't wake up, t- you know, the next day. Just do whatever you can to, you know, keep these kids alive. Oh, geez. Yeah, because even post-surgery, like, how they probably don't even have antibiotics. So the one guy who was trying to create a business, he said, okay, how much money am I going to get out of this? She said, you get about $4,000. He's like, all right, does that cover any of my medications after my surgery? She said, no. You have to so good luck. You usually have to pay for your own medicine. So uh, he's like, well, do I, you know, he's asking about paperwork and all this. And she goes, oh, they don't care about you after, you know, you get your money because they think that they pay you off. So if you die from complications, um, they don't really care. And they were saying that what they do is um, they take these people at night and it's done out of the hospital, although they wouldn't say which hospital because they were trying to. You know, the one guy was afraid of telling and fear that they were going to come after his family and murder them because this is an illegal thing. Right. So they were saying that they, <clears throat> the doctor that's doing this illegally, he has the person who's giving up his organ come to the hospital when the rest of the hospital is closed down at night. So no one has any idea what's going on in that part of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then. It's illegal there, um, and the only people who can give an organ to someone is if it's within your family. So if it's a family member. Um, so what they do to make it legal, you know, not really legal, but it looks like it's legal, is to have them change their names to the last names of the people who are buying the organs. To make it look to like... To make it look legit. To make it look like they're family members. Right. And then they forge birth certificates. Oh, my God. So uh, they were saying, um, you know, some people come from Canada and they're buying organs from Canada. Some people, you know, they're usually U.S. or Canadians. Um, and it's a $20,000 buy. And then $4,000 goes to the person who's selling their organ. And I can't remember how much the person who's, uh, I can't remember what they called that person who goes and finds the people who sell their organs. But the doctor makes the most money, obviously. So. Jeez. Um, God, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, And. Because making it, I mean, making it legal. 
in, in the states would save a lot of people but even like making it illegal in that country it doesn't matter like you still need the funds to like treat these people post op um yeah and even these people who were had to go out and find other people to make money off of who would sell these organs said i feel wrong i know you know i i know this is wrong to do this to these people but you know pretty much like times are hard and I need to make money too. So I'm going to put my feelings aside so that I can make money. And then they get so desperate sometimes because they can make decent money off each person that they get that, like you were talking about earlier with me, um, they put these people at gunpoint. Yeah. Um, the one who told his family, if I don't wake up tomorrow, you know, take care of the kids and yada, yada. Uh, he said that he thought that there was a free health checkup at the um, hospital because that's what he was told. So he went to the hospital, had, I believe it was an MRI or a CAT scan, and um, blood tests and all this, and said it was free, and he was very healthy, they said, because they need certain um, certain tests passed to show that the person is healthy enough to donate you know, their kidneys because the person who wants to buy it, it has to be, you know, in a certain shape. Uh, and hello. Hello. Hi. Oh, James Fernandez. Hi. I just, it's really intense, sad topic right now. Couldn't find the appropriate time to chime <laughs> in. <Hot damn. laughs> well, I'm sure you have something to contribute to this conversation though. Holly, it was, I finish your thought about the um the the sort of shape it's in. Yeah, so they need to be healthy enough because the people who are buying the organs, you know, the, the organs have to be in a certain state, um, and you know, be good good enough to donate. So he thought he was going in for a free health screening. He found out he was healthy, but re- in reality, what re- really happened was the person who had to go out and find someone to donate the organs or sell their organs, lied and said that this was a free health screening. They put their own money in to test him because they wanted to prey upon him to get his organs. No, oh, geez. So they came to his house at night when he was sleeping, and he lives with his mom, knocked on the door, and uh, she came to the door, and long story short, um, they had guns and said, you know, he he better show up. I paid this money. He better go through with the surgery and then threaten the whole family. And and uh, then he Dang. said that the hospital was going to sue him. And he's like, I don't know. When someone tells you that the hospital is going to sue you, you know, that makes you scared, too. Although the hospital can't sue because this is a legal thing, you know. Right. They, um, they were just trying to say smoke. anything they could to get him in there. But. Right. You know, he's like, I don't know. I could be dead either way. And but my whole family could be killed if I don't go, so it's just better for me to go. Right. Plus, he said that I'll get this much money out of it. I mean, right? Could you imagine just like living in a society where you're going to go to sleep thinking like somebody could bust in my house and like try to steal my organs? Mm-mm. Yeah. So he said the process was he showed up at the hospital like I told you late at night so that the rest of the hospital didn't know what was going on because this is one section that 
uh, no one else in the hospital knows about. Mm-hmm. It's illegal trade. And he laid on the table and they played music. And he said he felt like it, he, he was having his death sentence. And then uh, they injected him in the neck with something that made him pass out. And he said when he woke up, you know, it was all over and his kidney was gone. Wild. It's insane. James, have you ever donated an organ? Uh, I have not donated an organ. My uh, my mother did when she passed away. Oh, but that's... Um, yeah, it was gift, her. gift of life. Um, she, her, I believe one of her corneas was used, and something that was really on, on a happy note when it comes to voluntary organ donation, of course. Um, I'd gotten a letter from Gift of Life maybe a year after my mom died, um, and it had a, a thank you card in it, and it was from a kid that was playing soccer who had blown out her knee, and one of my mom's, uh, I believe it was her MCL was um, put into this girl's knee so she could get back into playing sports and stuff again. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that was really neat. It was just like, oh, crazy. It was was handwritten and everything. I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh, there it is. My my mom never played soccer before, but she is now. Right. You know, that's weird because that actually reminds me of this book, Echo. (laughs) When she's like wearing somebody else's DNA that passed away, but that person's still living on within her. It has a lot to do with that. But uh, I was dating a guy that... um, they got uh he got a a letter from gift of life um because um his mom was actually using the kidney of a little boy that passed away from getting hit by a car and so um you know she had sent uh, a letter saying thank you for your child's kidney. Now, mind you, she's rocking one adult kidney and one kid kidney, mm-hmm. so she's drinking water like it's going on a style like she has to baby this thing, um and. Uh, but they sent her back like a picture of the boy, and it was oh my gosh, it was so heartbreaking. The kid was only five years old. Oh wow! But she, that early on, they were like, we knew that we wanted our child to be, you know, an organ donor. So you know, it, it worked out and it saved her life. Um. So, but, but yeah, of course, that's on the voluntary side. Um, and like I said, there's there's so many urban legends. Uh, that go along with you know, and, and I'm, I'm sure you can name films off the top of your head, James, that you know. Oh, that you've the, seen. the the bathtub with ice is like a classic, like movie and TV trope. Right. Where does that come point, from? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there there that they had to. Most urban legends start at least with some kernel of truth, right? So somewhere in some point after um, after organ transplants were a thing that could be successfully done regularly. Some poor bastard must have had something like that happen to them. Right. They all start from uh, somewhere. Absolutely, yeah. Like, there's a kernel. It, it, it doesn't mean, like, a guy just woke up. There, obviously, there's a lot of other steps. I mean, Holly telling that heartbreaking story from the documentary shows that there was a lot of steps involved before they actually went to the guy's house and did the old IRS scam with the, like, we're going to sue you for, you know, a bazillion dollars or whatever. But it, I'm sure it started somewhere because that stuff happened. All I can say is, come on, 3D printers. Figure right. Out quick, please. Exactly. I'm trying to pull up this um, uh, terrifying true accounts about, uh, you know, instances like that, but I keep getting pop-ups. Um, 
Yeah, according to Ranker.com, terrifying true accounts of black market organ theft. I'll just uh, fast forward to the uh, to the actual stories. ISIS harvests organs of captives to treat their wounded. ISIS, in its endless streak of inevitable malevolence, uh, has naturally ventured into the business of forced organ harvesting. Uh, in 2015, a prisoner who had escaped from the terrorist group Stronghold in Syria described in vivid, horrifying detail how his fellow captives were treated like living blood in organ banks. Prisoners were often told point blank that their certain fate was death and it would be noble for them to donate their organs to faithful jihadists. Uh, of course, there was no real choice in the matter. These men would be forced to surrender their kidneys, corneas, uh, so they could be transplanted into maimed members of ISIS regardless. Uh, here we go. Indian man wakes up without a kidney. Uh, true story told by Muhammad Khan is really something befitting of a horror film. Waking up in a wheezy haze in an unfamiliar house on the outskirts of Dali, uh, India, Khan was greeted by a stranger in a cervical mask and gloves as he, uh, began to ask where he was and what happened. He was told very curtly, your kidney has been removed. Well, at least he was honest. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Khan's dramatic tale is unfortunately not rarity as poor laborers like him, lured by false promise of work, are preyed upon by illegal organ harvesters. In some instances, these donors are often a paltry sum for their organs, but in other cases, they are simply mutilated against their will. Uh, the surgeon gave him a warning that didn't mince words. If you tell anyone that your kidney has been removed at this very place, or if you tell anyone that your kidney has been removed at all, there is a man who is following you who will shoot you. Now, right there, that just reminds me of what you said. Like, the hospital's going to sue you, even though none of that was Exactly. True. Like the IRS tax scam. How right. How you owe us $60 billion. We're calling the police right. right now. They're coming to your house right now. Yeah, that happened to me once, and I hung up on them. Because obviously, when you call it, like, okay, I was talking to Holly about this recently. Because if you call the IRS, because I've had to owe the IRS money before, like a couple grand. And they're actually very cool people. Um, when, yeah, when so you're they on, do things very slowly. Right. <laughs> but when, you, when you're when you on hold, they say, the IRS will never call you at your house. We will never ask for money. And we will never threaten to throw you in jail. So anyone who's calling and saying that is full of shit. I mean, they didn't say that. But that's basically what they said. Right. That's basically what they're saying, yeah. Like, Willie Nelson and, and Wesley Snipes didn't pay taxes for, like, a decade before they finally went to jail for it. They're, they're not going to, you know, they're not bum-rushing anyone for that stuff. Right. Right. Um, uh, snatching organs in uh, S-I-N-A-I desert. Sinai? Am I saying that correctly? Sinai. Sinai. Uh, in 2011, CNN documentary called Death in the Desert revealed a grim human trafficking practice taking place in North Africa as displaced refugees from Sudan, Ethiopia, and Eritrea. Uh, was attempting to cross the desert into Israel. The perils of the arid, um, unforgiving terrain proved secondary to the awful fate that met some of these weary travelers as they found themselves sold in the black market organ trade. Um, human rights workers uncovered a high number of discarded bodies in the area bearing surgical scars. Uh, medical experts, when shown the pictures of the corpses, verified that these surgeons took... Uh, these surgeries took place while the victims were still alive. Um, well, they have to, yeah, because in the case of most internal organs, they have to be quickly transferred. 
while they're still oh yeah well yeah that's yep, in while the they're event. still alive yep they still have to be viable and that's very close after like a mortem state because there's still got to be blood running through and no necrotic tissue right it's got to be like we got to do this now yep it's got to be fresh from the farm yikes mm. yeah I, and i guess I, I like another layer of like heartbreak on top of already the tragic act is how, you know, these surgeons seem to be extremely efficient if they're extracting viable organs quickly enough. It's like we can't find actual hospitals to go to practice legally, like for them to do. Because usually these surgeons, they're not the kingpins either of these operations. Right. Um, so you're just like, man, if the guy or the girl is that good at extracting an organ from a body that efficiently and that quickly, why can't we find a hospital for them to do this for real and get them actual money? Right. Right, exactly. Um, The last one I'm going to read is the Mexican cartel kidnaps children to sell their organs. Good Lord. In March 2014, uh, a high-ranking member of Mexico's Knights Templar drug cartel was arrested while possessing crystal meth in a stolen car. Uh, He'd been apprehended in the western state of uh, Mikocan. And in announcing the arrest on Twitter, the state's public safety secretary, uh, Carlos Becerra, revealed that the Knights Templar leader was under investigation for much more sinister crimes. Um, he belonged to a criminal group that is being investigated for the death of children who drew their organs for sale. The cartel's organ trafficking operation uh, came to light uh, earlier that year after a group of vigilantes in the town seized a refrigerated van that was carrying several captive children. Ugh, geez. I know, right? The children who were all from the same Mexico City school uh, were being taken to uh, Lazaros Cardenas, uh, Mexico's biggest Pacific Ocean port, where they were being sold off for their organs. Um, I just want to touch really quick on maybe I misunderstood, but um, what uh, what he just said, which was uh, you were talking about how they must be good because um, they seem like they're doing a good job as far as. Not, not that, I mean, just if they're able, it, it's just if they're able to extract organs that efficiently. Right. Uh, not that they're good. I mean, I mean good, good at, like, doing the they're... transplant. I mean. Yeah, if they're skilled. Like, if they're skilled at that, you'd wish there was somewhere they could go to, like, and I think practice that, this for real money. And, and they do, because they're working out of the hospital, and the rest of the hospital doesn't know that they're doing this legal part, at least in the Philippines. Um, oh, but so I think some of them are crooked doctors like, on the side. They're doctors working at actual hospitals there, but the rest of the hospital doesn't know that this is going on because they do this at night when the rest of the hospital is closed down, and they do this purposely so that um, that, that no one else in the hospital knows. Uh, and I just think it's because, like I said, there it's illegal unless it's part of your family. So family members can um, donate their organs to other other family members. In, in their group, as long as they're related to them. But it's when outside sources, that's illegal. So yeah. I think to make extra money, these uh, doctors are like, well, this is a huge, you know, money-making scheme. Yeah. And so we're just going to... Yeah. So that was Damn. the thing, too, is that should this become legal so that it can... <sighs> since people are already doing it anyways and it would make it a little bit safer i guess and that was that's well, another thing should it be I think, I think the biggest que- i mean actually the biggest question i imagine is just it's got to be consent first and like 
presenting people with information straight up um, as opposed to like the shady coming into your house with guns and surgical masks and doing all that crazy shit. Just go through like the proper channels. But when you're desperate, you know, you have, you literally have kids whose mouths you have to feed. You don't get that luxury, which is really tragic. Yeah. That shouldn't be a luxury. That choice shouldn't be a luxury, but you realize, you know, how bad it can get in certain parts of the world where, yeah, that's, that's where they get the food to fill their their cupboards, their pantries, for a little while. Yeah, that's the thing to to you know, so something so permanent to fill something so temporary. Right. Yeah, and especially like, which is really it's really cold hearted to talk about, but it's just like they're getting the short end of the stick economically. When you know, like, there's way, way more value, but it's, again, economics lessons don't apply here. Right. You can't go, hey, you know, dude, that kidney's worth way more than $4,000, man. What are you doing? Find a better buy. Yeah, it's, you can't. It's not like eBay. It's not right. kidney bay. I'm bidding. I'm <laughs> selling my kidney to the highest bidder. Exactly right. Just like, uh, I'm going to make sure you're legit. All right. Like there's going to be a secondary bidder just in case the first one's just pumping up the price and being an asshole. Did I tell you that someone asked me for a kidney that I barely knew? Uh, Oh, great. Yeah. It was one of those over messenger. (laughs) Should I not have done that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you turned on. All right. (laughs) Uh, no, it was someone I knew from uh, uh, a convention, and I, I, you know, I'd seen him, you know, once a year, and I knew he was on dialysis, and I knew he was having kidney failure, and um, I, but it's one of those things, man, where it's like, bro, I don't, like, I don't know you like that, man. Well, not just that, but uh, okay, my, I felt bad for saying that. I feel like a dick. No, don't I? because you don't even know that you guys would have been compatible. DNA and organized like there is certain criteria you actually have to meet before somebody can actually accept your organ okay you have to have the same blood type and I don't know some other shit that I didn't know about my my sister got a heart transplant and she was on the waiting list for over a year it was probably about two years before she got it so she was on this known drug that is a drug that keeps your heart pumping when it's not supposed to be doing that anymore, you know? Wow. So there's a lot of criteria that has to meet up with that. And that's what I'm really confused about. Like, I mean, okay, I I know when it comes to kidneys, like you still have to be on anti-rejection meds and a whole ton of other meds. And so she got a heart transplant and she was on... She's still on anti-rejection meds, and in the beginning, she was on steroids and all these other drugs, and it's just like, how how do people actually survive, you know what I'm saying, um, getting some under-the-table kidney or heart transplant when they don't have the drugs that they need afterward to keep your body from rejecting it? Because naturally, when yeah, you put something make for it... Right. When you put somebody else's DNA in your body, your body naturally wants to reject it. So there's like a whole at least year, year and a half that you go through where it's like, all right, well, your body could just be like, "Mm, no, at any given moment. With 
that's what kind of confuses me about all this. With yeah, this- did the documentary have any stats on that? Because I'm curious, do they have any way of knowing the recipients? The, with right. this, it, it seemed like it was mostly people from the U.S. and from Canada who were the one who were making purchases, um, okay. purchasing the so organs. So they would have enough, m- enough money to get the medications and stuff. What what happened was that the medications weren't are not really being able to be forwarded by the people who are giving away their organs. Right. Yeah, they can't do the aftercare they need after yeah. losing so, their part. Yeah, and you do because you you need aftercare after you give up an organ. Yeah, right. a shit ton. Yeah. So they're not able to get their checkups and you know, out of that 4,000 if they're lucky, they you know, some people are only getting 2,000. Uh, but if they get that $4,000, then um, they have to pay out of that money to get their medicine. So that's even less that you're getting back. Well, at the end, you pretty much get nothing back because you have to be on these medications for the rest of your natural life. When you lose one kidney, like you can't, when you give a kidney up, because I, I was asking the doctor about this because I know at some point my sister's going to need a kidney and Let's be honest, mine are probably garbage by now, but if they're not, like, what would I need to do to actually do that? There's criteria you have to meet even, you know, for that to receive a kidney from somebody. And when you give up a kidney, you have to be on medications for, as far as I was told, pretty much the rest of your life. You can't drink. You you know what I'm saying? You have to take, like, premium care of your body. They said you can't smoke. Um, no. Yeah, nothing. you can't drink. Uh, you're supposed to eat healthy, which, like I said, is one of the issues with people who are in, po- uh, you know, who are in poverty. Mm-hmm. They can't afford uh, it. Yeah, they just, you know, are eating whatever they can find, um, or whatever yeah. they can afford. So that's a huge issue, and that's why they get so sick so fast, Ugh. especially after. And then, you know, the men who are, um, giving their kidneys away. Because, uh, you know, it's a lot, a lot mostly men in the family because they're the ones who are supposed to be like the breadwinners for you know, the yeah. women and the children. Um, they have to go to back to work straight after and they're not supposed to after you have a surgery uh, like that. So, no, like I said, the one guy, he was having flu like symptoms and he was getting dizzy and hallucinating and he's not sure why. I mean, obviously, you're not supposed to put that stress on your body. So he like I said, he told his family, if I die tomorrow. If I die in my sleep or I just don't wake up, this is what you need to do. Take care of the family. Keep oh. moving on. Because I might not wake up tomorrow. Shit. Come on, 3D printers, man. Come on, 3D printers. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it's sad for multiple reasons. But uh, someone's saying, well, after you sign this paperwork, we're going to give you this money and we don't care about you after. Um, no, we're not giving you any medicines. Uh, good luck with that. You know, you got to get that yeah. on your own. Um. We just want we give you your paltry tiny bit of money. Go away. We figure we filled our end of the contract. Yeah, pretty much. So if um, you were uh, if you were to three D print an organ, is it like a robotic organ? Like I'm being serious. No, no. What's um what they've been doing with what they're trying to do is they can use material. Um, they can use like living biological material. I think I think part of it is potentially stem cells, but I think it's other stuff. But there's actually what it amounts to is just like um flesh and, and and cells that aren't assigned to something particular. So they're not skin cells. They're not anything else yet. Um, or in some cases, it's just certain materials can be used to where they can basically copy your own organ. 
And what's going to be so amazing about this is that you will not reject it. It is literally a copy of your own organ down to the basis genetic level. So it's a cloning. But yeah, but it's cloning organ by organ. And that way, things like rejection meds won't be an issue. Your body won't reject it. It'll literally go, oh, hey, this is part of me. Okay, everything's fine. We just get back to work. I mean, there'll be the normal aftercare for healing from the incisions and all that kind of stuff, of course, and reconnecting the tissue. Um, but the promise that it holds is literally you have a copy of your own kidney. There is no rejection. There is no waiting for two years um, because it can literally be manufactured and then put back into your body to get you back into state. So is it, it's not synthetic genome. This is based on just cloning your actual makeup. Yep. Yeah. Literally. And, it, yeah, and it's not well, hurry creating up. a whole clone. It's literally just the, they'll print the heart and just the, the aortal connections long enough that they need to be able to put it in um, a lung, a kidney, uh, joints, MCL, ACL, to be able to do that. That's, that's what they're working on right now. It's just about complexity right now. It's trying to get it to where they can bring the cost down on being able to properly replicate them, but it's absolutely possible. Uh, hold on. So when you 3D print something like, okay, they 3D print plastic things, right? But you mm-hmm. have to actually supply the material for that to be printed, correct? Uh, yeah, you'll actually, well, yeah, whatever materials you use to actually create the object, yes. So wouldn't you have to use some form of somebody's DNA, some sort of stem cells, some sort of something to actually create DNA? Because that's literally what makes up your whole entire body and what identifies your heart and everything. Yeah, I'm sure they'll still have to do the same uh, blood testing and all that kind of stuff um, in order to actually get that material. But mm-hmm. they won't have to take out like they won't have to take out your heart and put it on a Xerox machine to scan it. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so they'll be able to. Yeah. So it'll be way less intrusive uh, in the initial testing process to be able to get enough of that. And then it's literally a case of the surgery doesn't start until, you know, the, the 3D heart is almost done being printed in the device then they immediately go to transfer. I mean, that's amazing. I'm just so intrigued by what, you know, biological material they would have to put into or use with, I don't know how 3D printers work, so that confuses me, but that's that's amazing. uh, It's it's a computer where you're giving it a a 3D image, um, and what it does is, when it's printing an object, it does it in a whole bunch of layers to create its three dimensions. So it'll actually, the, the, what the device will do is it'll be, a plate will be moving across and creating one layer at a time. And as it does each layer, it's like um, if you do a bird's eye view on a heart chamber, it's starting from the bottom and layer by layer printing upwards. Right. And so everything, if you think of... It's copying all of your ventricles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And and as it does each horizontal layer, it'll be laid out like you're looking at the inside of, say, a green pepper. And it'll be in the exact shape with the different tubes, chambers, and all that. And it'll just keep doing layer after layer until it closes it off at the top. Hmm. Well, come on, James. (laughs) Hurry up. I am not an expert in 3D printing, but I just know that that... Oh, you seem to know that about it. I'm so going to go down a rabbit hole, like researching this. <laughs> Do it. Oh, Just because I'm it's curious, really like what actual biological material they use to print an actual organ. 
So I know that they're what they're not exactly there yet, but they're getting closer to doing that, right? Yeah, because they they've been able to like That's they amazing. can build a human heart with 3D imaging out of you know plastic or whatever. So they're like, okay, well we can get this this shape and this complexity of a thing down. Now it's a matter of like, how do we actually build this so it operates? We yeah. have to find the right materials, yeah, and then introduce the DNA and all that. But now it's about actually making an operable item. Uh, but they can actually like, yeah, we can make something that has all the nooks and crannies. Now we just got to figure out how to get one that will operate inside the human body. It'll, the, you know, a heart that'll flex and contract the way it needs to. Right. That's crazy. So, and, you know, in some awesome. cases, um, like synthetic hearts and machine hearts would be a temporary replacement during the process. But being able to have a copy of an organ that is literally attuned to your DNA offers such a huge amount of advantage in every way to the such a complicated process that it's there's no reason why you wouldn't. Yeah, those uh, anti-rejection meds are horrible, horrible. Like they are excruciating to actually take. They make you very sick, the steroids and all that to make sure that you don't reject the heart along with the anti-rejection meds. They're horrible. So, and they cause all kinds of other health problems, you know. They basically got to turn off your immune system. I mean, it's what they do. They basically turn off your immune system and that's how it stops you from rejecting it. So everything else gets you sick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's crazy. So that would be, oh my God, the most amazing thing ever. Not that people yep. won't stop, won't, you know, not that people no, will stop like harvesting, but it'll still. still happen. Yeah. Just because I would imagine they'll be extremely expensive to get for, you know, quite a while. Well, at the beginning it will, but once once they have a just handle like anything on how else. To, like, yeah. Exactly. Just like, as silly as it is, just like cell phones, just like plasma TVs. Yep. Remember how expensive 3D TVs were before, like, they became a thing and now everybody is used to, like, kind of having them and now they're a lot cheaper? Yep. Oh, amazing. What could be done? And the biggest thing is, you know, getting rid of the rejection issues. And when your immune system can go back on and do what it normally needs to do, that Mm -hmm. means that the, the patient's life expectancy is far better than when they have to, you know, to take yeah. the gamble with an external heart. So yeah. there's a lot of promising stuff out there. Yeah. Because right now, even with a heart transplant, it's like five to 15 years is your life expectancy after. Like five to 10, really, but like 15 to 20 if like you're really lucky. So that would be amazing if they could just live a full life afterward. Yep. It's, it's a borrowed time scenario, but this is really, really promising. It's one of the happier stories about technology that I hear. It's one of those things where I'm like, man, you might want to check to see if anything else is about to go to that we don't know about. Just go ahead and print everything up at once. You know, in fact, let's just start over. Just in case. Right. <laughs> just take some 3D imaging of everything so it's on file, so it's ready to go. Right. Yep, exactly. Because uh, I've really pounded on these kidneys, and I just, I'd rather feel safe. Yeah, you know this liver is saturated. <laughs> Uh, so the the crime of the illegal trade on both sides is twenty years in prison. That's it. Mm-hmm. You gotta be shitting me. Nuts. Twenty well, you years. You can plead that down too. Twenty so years for that's the maximum. The person buying much, and right? Huh? Is that the maximum? Pretty much. Uh, I don't know if that's the maximum or minimum. I mean, that's just what they said was twenty mm. years. That's uh, a on load both of sides shit. for both recipient and uh uh-uh. uh. What a mess. I thought it would have been more, too. Hell, yeah. They give, you know, drug dealers less. 
Or I'm sorry. More. More. That's what yeah. I meant to say. I'm sorry. I'm really tired. No, I'm not on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> well, and of course, in the case of that 20 years, it's probably 20 years per count. And a lot of these people that get caught have probably done it more than once. Doesn't yeah. make it better, but that's usually like drug dealers. It's because they have 20, 30 counts on them that piles in all that time. Yeah, but I feel like 20 is probably like the maximum, though. I could be wrong on that, but uh, I mean. Yeah, because should... I mean, that's around like, at least in the U.S., that's like around manslaughter and things like that. Yeah. Except for manslaughter is unintentional, and this clearly was <laughs> extremely premeditated. Yes, so. but it doesn't, uh, unless it ends, if it's death, it would be murder. But if it doesn't end in their death, unfortunately, it's not murder. There, there's always seems to be that weird line. I don't yeah. know if it's weird, but. It's like, oh, they didn't die? Well, okay, it wasn't murder. I mean, yeah, you stole the guy's kidney, but at least you didn't kill him. Right, there's always a situation. Good job, Steve. Good job, Dr. Steve. (laughs) I I find it really interesting that um, how many people are involved with this whole scheme, even the people who are creating the uh, forged and fake birth certificates. Um, So... It, it, it was kind of crazy to me that the guy had to change his name to be the last name of the recipient. Yeah. Because, I don't know. I mean, in the U.S. anyway, obviously, it doesn't have to be somebody you're going off of a list. So, right, right. you know, I can't donate my heart to my sister because there are, you know, certain criteria you have to fall into and I'd be dead. So, so they can't commit murder. Yeah, these people are going to the black market after um, they've been waiting for so long and they just can't, you know, get yeah. it in a well, legal yeah. way. Well, yeah. Um, or their family members are not compatible. So then it's either I die yeah. or I go out and get it illegally. It's survival of the fittest. I mean, you're, you're taking your chances then, but the chances of staying alive apparently are far obviously outweigh the chances of dying, which isn't really a chance that's really inevitable at that point, you know? And maybe to them, they're like, well, I mean, 20 years, even if I get caught, I mean, I wouldn't have lived 20 years, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'd rather have a new organ and, you know, be put in uh, prison for 20 years and then. I mean. Maybe that's the way. <laughs> I mean, on that side. I feel like they probably just kill themselves. They'd be like, poke, 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 heart. Okay, go out now. I'll stop taking my anti-rejection meds. I just had a prison. weird image in my head of some dude desperately trying to tap his own heart to stop. <laughs> from the cops so did I. That's Come so on, sad. Man. That's why I said it. Do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Chris Farley when he's pounding yet? on his heart like during the dub nope. bear skit. I, it makes it a bit bears. bigger dozen near town. <laughs> they said they installed an off button. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> so I want to touch on something really quick, and this is changing topics. So sorry, excuse me. Um, no, but- that's okay. This is such a sad topic. Something different to <laughs> But Casey Barbara. had brought this up. I think it was last time or the time before. Um, and I don't know if you heard this show. Uh, I mean, that show before. But Casey had talked about Demon House. Oh, yeah. Um, and... I just it, it just popped up in my feed. Um, Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures. He's like, here's the official trailer for for Demon House. Oh, Brian, um, cue it up. <laughs> Demon House uh, comes out March 16th. 
Now, Demon House was about that house in Atlanta. It wasn't was Atlanta, was it? No, it was in Indiana. It's Indiana. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, and then they have this in, um, to say about it. A mass hysteria breaks out over alleged demonic possession in, in an Indiana home. Referred to as a portal, <coughs> excuse me, a portal to hell. Ghost Adventures go, <sighs> ghost, sorry. Ghost Adventures host and paranormal investigator Zach Baggins buys the house. Sight unseen over the phone. He and his crew then become the next vi- victims of the most documented case of demonic possession in U.S. history, the House of 200 Demons. So I'm going to play the trailer. Hell yeah. Hopefully there's not an ad before. <laughs> Especially not for a kidney. Right. <laughs> That'd just be awkward after all we went through. I'm Zach Bagans. I'm one of the world's leading researchers on ghosts and demonology. And this film is cursed. A story about a demon possession makes international news. Now look at one of the most documented cases of demon possession and exorcism in recent history. The next day over the phone, I buy the house, sight unseen. In my 37 years of police investigation, I've never run into anything like that before. I just got the keys to the demon house. You think it's dangerous for me to be in that house? I wouldn't be there. She had holes in both her wrists, just like little cuss. They called 911. They called 911. They did. There was an unidentifiable voice. I only heard it on the recording. Who in there? Something came back. I don't know if it was that demon, but something came back. I put the crucifix on her head. She began convulsing. It was very sick. What just happened? You attacked Jay. If people are making this up, I'm, I'm going to catch him. Why is it spiking? We were just around my house and we see three police cars. This is what it all comes down to. It doesn't want me, it wants you. All right. We almost die laughing when he was like, Zach Baggins. <laughs> yeah, the way these, these, these everything's got to be direct. All right. I'm Zach Baggins. <laughs> And I, I bought a house without seeing it. And I'm Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> We're going on an adventure. <laughs> the demon my house. Favorite, my favorite was the old guy that's like, if someone's faking this, I'm going to fight it. Like, what, he's going to punch a demon in the face or something? And he sees it? <laughs> I'm going to get what you. Was the one guy was like, I'm going in there. Yeah. I was like, that was a nam. You ain't shit, son. Just punch it's, his face in the head like 10 it's times. It's just another old man in the basement. He's like, and I would have gotten away with it, too. Had not been real meddling kids. So. That's the end of the movie. That old guy is the demon. Like, they pull the helmet off of the demon. It's like, oh, it's for the, old the spoiler. Guy. Thanks. Zach Baggins has to have some demonic creatures lurking around him at all times. I swear. He bought, he's the one. Okay, he's got the demon out. He loves all things that are possessed. Okay. <laughs> I'm serious. He bought the demon house. You know, now this movie's coming out. 
Um, I mean, he goes and travels all over for ghost adventures, and he's been to some of the most haunted and demonic houses out there. He tries to find the most, you know, possessed demonic houses to go into because he loves that thrill. Um, he loves that shit. <laughs> but he also bought uh, Charles Manson's um, some of his I- items that we were talking about did, before. Did he buy his teeth? He's the one. Yeah, he's the one that bought his teeth. <laughs> so and he has the uh, museum in Vegas. The what's it called? It's a paranormal museum um, oh, yeah. with, with a bunch of haunted artifacts and that's i think where he wanted to put those items in was into that museum how do you even tamper with shit like that and then sleep at night hell no am i the only one that thinks that he's like a cute looking demon like just the way his hair is done and stuff (laughs) let me see i'll be the judge of that like i said he's he girls love him because he's like the hot ghost hunter he's the bad boy Okay. Yeah, if Demon House had a guy that looked like uh, Jack Black, they wouldn't be so excited. About, like, <laughs> oh, let's follow the adventures of this guy. We oh, can get, get, he looks get like a pretty demon. demon. Doesn't he? Let me see. Uh, you know, he looks like... <laughs> he also looks like... <laughs> he looks... He looks constipated. He looks scared there he, in this picture. He, usually he looks like a lawn gnome come to life. No, no <laughs> He doesn't have his glasses on there. A lot of times he'll wear these, like, hipster kind of glasses. He like, looks like the guy from Fine Young Cannibals. If he was crossed with a garden gnome. Like, why is his hair in the shape of, like, a smushed down horn? I just don't because like that. Because he's a demon. He probably shaped demon. his eyebrows like that, too. I can't do it. That. That's do it. a demon. There you go. Casey and I tried to enter to go on his show. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> no. We didn't win. But you it's probably lost. for the best, because then we would have been possessed. <laughs> oh, my God. Dr. Claw? You should do like creepy ass <laughs> oh, yeah, like she does Dude, I used to watch amazing. Inspector Gadget every morning. Inspector Gadget was at shit. my neighbor's house because she would take me to school because my mom had to work early. And I'd sit there and eat an oatmeal cookie. Watch Inspector Gadget. So thank you for that memory, James. What's that? Thank you for that memory. Usually he wears this. Hey, you know, oh, wait, I he looks hot in that picture. And I'm just like, oh, that's that's what reminds me of Dr. Claw. This is usually what he looks. Wait, like. he put on the glasses <laughs> See, and he looks a lot better. Like smushed down horns. <laughs> Casey's shape. like, he never mind. Never mind. Uh, if I was single, I'd bang him. <laughs> <laughs> looking I would... at this weird picture of him with like a, a raggedy and doll. It just looks really sad. We just all have different pictures of him. Right <laughs> this moment Who is the real at. Zach Baggins? Who are you? See, okay, so like, the I'm reason everyone. that he gets a lot of viewers too is because a lot of women are like, "Ooh, he's kind of ripped," and he's got like. Like the, he looks Ooh. like the young Henry like, Rollins. He's got like the bad boy, like fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I bang. I ain't scared. I'm not anything. even lying. Yep. If it, well, if he came in all beta male like that, like fuck with that, I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> I'd be like, you're gross. Take that. Bait. Fuck with me, but I'm not gonna say fuck with me. <laughs> take the, <laughs> take that beta shit somewhere else. <laughs> You bitch. I ain't afraid of no ghost. <laughs> I'm not. It kind of looks like he was possessed by the spirit of Ed Hardy. Is what it looks like. <laughs> that, that probably is true. Oh, I man. Bet. <laughs> he bet uh, he's going to buy Ed Hardy's teeth. I like how post, <laughs> post this trailer, all we can talk about is, let's see what it looks like. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, this is going to be on Netflix, right? Uh, oh, I almost played it again. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Uh, well, Demon House. Uh, looks like it arrives in theaters, VOD, and digital HD. On theaters. Oh hell yeah, we're all going. James, you're going. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I feel sad enough to watch Demon House. I won't um, make you sad. I'm gonna come over and make you cry. <laughs> uh, like, no, I, I think Zach Baggins has already done that with this Raggedy Ann pictures. It's awful. Well, keep looking at that. Keep that in mind, and let's go see Demon House. <laughs> mm. Stay sad. Right. Just stay sad like you stay woke. Hello. <laughs> I think I'd rather lose a kidney suddenly um, to you a know fake doctor. There's there's this guy on Instagram, and like, uh, you know, we follow each other, but he has a new name on Instagram, and I just died when I saw it because he liked my pictures, and his name is Stay Broke. <laughs> Stay broke. <laughs> I that's that's excellent. Fantastic. <laughs> oh shit, too funny. But yeah, Demon House. We're all going to see it. Yeah, it's playing in certain theaters. It says. So I want to see where at in Michigan. Uh, if if it's playing in a theater in Michigan, it better be playing in Hell, Michigan, because that's the best place for it to be. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Go that's to hell and watch the Demon House. <laughs> Ah, my masseter uh, hurts all of a sudden. Your what? <laughs> Her jaw? I'm not a doctor. Her jaw. See <laughs> <laughs> <So> your masseter? <laughs> yeah, masseter. It's massage lingo for jaw. Um, <laughs> it's a strong for jaw. Your body. I don't know all your fancy <laughs> massage I've got terms. A, I've got like a spasm in my jaw. It's weird. You're we need to stop talking about like demon house. It. So is masseter, what, is that the top of the jaw? The mandible is the bottom? The, it's the sides. There's maxilla like and they, mandible. They meet. So is it's where right? they where meet. They, um, it's on the side. It's the strongest muscle in your body. It's really? the one you chew with. And for some reason, I have like a spasm on the right side or a knot. I think I have TMJ anyway. I do too. Do you really? Yeah. See, I'm like messing with that. I can hear too much jaw wants TMJ. <laughs> Like too much jaw. That. Yeah, that's what it stands for. That overgrowth of jaw. <laughs> I'm looking like Bruce Campbell over here all of a sudden. Jay Leno or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Ugh. I just got like a mental the old TMJ. Like where you do too the like, jaw. the, what do you call it? The fucking facing the Snapchat filter where you like meld faces. You and Jay Leno. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Screw I, I kind of want you to do that, that now, though. <laughs> I love this. Look at Okay, what is <laughs> What did you just do? I went to amctheaters.com because I was talking about Demon House. So I was like, I'll click on it. It says cast and crew. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Zach Baggins. It's like twice. It's like Zach Baggins' no, <laughs> face. just him. Wow. But two times. <laughs> I'm all the for, cast. For director and writer. <laughs> And it's the same picture of him, which is double hilarious. <laughs> it's like, it's like a picture like me mugging, kind of like looking like. Well, you looking for up? a cast and crew? I'm all you need. <laughs> yeah. I'm not putting pictures of the demons. That's like a spoiler. Shit, <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh jeez. Oh my gosh. Okay, so James, you've directed some films in your past, eh? I have. Okay, I did a whole web series for four years. Can we talk about it? Sure. Please tell me a story. <laughs> well, my story uh, from uh, 2009 to 2012, I uh, did a web series called Vampirism Bites. Um, still available on YouTube to this day, all the seasons. Uh, we did, uh, like, when I first got my equipment 
Um, back in, in 2008, I actually did a documentary because our local Vietnam post did, um, they had a moving replica of the Vietnam wall that was half size. They were able to get it in here, which was really cool. And so they put it up along the Algonac River um, and they had a whole weekend event for it in the VFW Hall. It was actually the first thing I did with my equipment. They asked me to like record the events and everything. Um, and that was an awesome weekend. So I got that done. Then after that, I had been watching uh, The Guild, if you guys are familiar with that at all. That was Felicia Day's big web series. Um, and that was sort of like the pioneering web series of the day. And I was thinking, like, could I do something like that around here? Well, right around when I started doing it was the height of Twilight. Ugh, sorry. I get a little nauseous when I think of that franchise, Twilight. Uh, so bad. Uh, I'm like, are you on the toilet? Should we let you go? Uh, no. Well, it feels like it. Whenever I mention Twilight, it feels like it. The rape stares of Kristen Stewart still haunt me to this day. Because <laughs> uh, she always looked like she was violating you, um, even when she was just looking like, at a camera. It was just like, no. Oh yeah, she I, always, I said she, no. She looks determined and uncomfortable, and determined to make you uncomfortable. All day, twenty four seven, eight days a week. Absolutely. So I wanted to have fun with that because I'm a sarcastic guy, which I'm sure you haven't been able to figure out by now. Uh-huh. And um, I wanted to do I, I wanted to do vampirism bites because my whole thing was like in Twilight, Chris, uh, her her whole character is Bella is just somehow magically trips into the world of vampires and everything is cool and awesome and everything works out and it's so rocking and. The killers make a cool. The only good thing about that series was the killers' white demon love song, which is the only thing about that that I ever liked my whole life. <laughs> um, it's a great song because it's kind of this weird, like creepy Beatlesy tune. It's worth checking. Anyway, sorry, it's an aside. Um, <laughs> I wanted uh, my brain started thinking because I my favorite kind of comedy is a comedy of errors. It's when shit goes wrong, when an otherwise like a situation is set up to go really well and then just dumb wacky shit goes wrong in it and it doesn't turn out the way you want it because that most of us can relate to that in our lives more than everything going perfectly i would say that was like from this morning till right now (laughs) yeah everyone has it where it's just like yeah i can think of a day where like i thought today was going to be great and then just dumb shit happens all day and you're just like i just got to get through the day yeah so vampirism bites it follows a character uh whose name is annabelle but she loves she loves Twilight and she loves vampire books and movies. And so she shortened her name to Belle. And the whole thing starts to where she realizes that vampires are real. She set up, she sets up a blind date with one. And that was the first little like short film we did. It was a blind date where Belle was having a date with a guy and the guy, she knew the guy was a vampire. The guy did not know she was aware, but she's so, her whole dinner conversation is so sloppy and the, the innuendos are so poorly done and like there's no there's no subtlety at all. It's just awful. And he finally realizes it and he basically just ruins her whole night by explaining how vampire life is completely different from what all the pop culture stuff tells her. Because uh, like the original book of the vampire way back in the day, vampires could go out in daylight. Even in Bram Stoker's Dracula, Dracula was walking around in the daylight. He just wasn't as powerful as he was at night. Um, But the sun didn't like burn and melt immediately. It was more just like I'm, I'm weaker in the day and all the stuff I did is extremely disgusting and macabre. And that's what you do at night. You don't shred someone's neck open in the middle of the day. People might notice. 
So he ruins her whole day. He gives all, he's just like, your books are dumb. He's like, vampires aren't like Bella Lugosi. And she's like, I'm sorry, who is that? And he goes, of course. Because like, a young kid isn't going to know that. And at the end of all that, he's like, look, if you accept that being turned into a vampire is the most brutal, excruciating, devastating, grotesque, disgusting experience of your life, we'll, we'll, still, we'll still do this. Like, I'll, I'll still bang you. <laughs> and she hears all these, and he gives her all these details about the entire, like, I imagine the medical process of, like, the, you know, your, the blood starts to burn in your veins and you can feel your organs shutting down, but you don't lose consciousness and your nerves feel like they're on fire and you can feel your brain synapses shutting down. And he goes, and if you can handle all of that and turn to a vampire, he's like, we'll bang you. And she's like, oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so-, so from there, the whole series is Belle is a vampire fangirl who got turned into a vampire. And as she explores the world of vampires, she discovers very quickly that Life, uh, you know, life bites, uh, life sucks, but vampirism bites. Nice. Very nice. Vampires are political assholes towards each other. They have a whole social hierarchy. Like when you're the rookie, no one gives a crap who you are. Dracula is this god that um, no one has actually seen yet. And I have fun with revealing what my version of Dracula is. But Dracula is a god that no one's seen in a long time. And uh, the vampire hunters are basically these hobos that live in graveyards. That's where their offices are because uh, vampires don't go in their cemeteries because there's no food there. Right. It's bodies with formaldehyde. So there's nothing there for them. So those are the offices. And we meet Simon Polidori, who was named for uh, Dr. John Polidori, who was the guy that wrote um, one of the first vampire novels. And he is like a descendant and he is just this, absolute dick all the time nothing impresses him people that want to be vampire hunters if they've ever watched buffy he immediately fires like they're dismissed they're fired he's like nope you're out which buffy <laughs> uh buffy the, the any version whether it be the movie or the tv show as soon as they say that there's only one buffy like, and that's christy <laughs> swanson well i say seven years and like <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars would say otherwise i'm just saying well, they can take that seven years and millions of dollars and shove it up the butt. <laughs> Joss Whedon didn't get to direct the Avengers because of the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's all I'm saying, Case. Go on. <laughs> all right. She's sad already. We, we, we had a fight over Sucker Punch the first time we met. We won't start this again. Anyway. That's true. Um, yeah, the whole series is just there's a vampire hunter. The first time our vampire hunter meets Belle, she's literally such a pathetic vampire that he refuses to kill her. Uh, and he just sets, he does the whole thing where he's like, tell you what, go become a scary monster that actually frightens people and then we'll cross paths. So they won't actually cross paths for like a season and a half. And it was just a really fun way to sort of like have fun with the, the, when vampires were at the top of pop culture again, um, and just see what I could create with what I had on me. Cause I don't like, I, I'm a poor guy. I've been a poor guy my whole life. Um, and I just wanted to see, like, what am I capable of? What can I do? I've put together an amazing cast over the case over the course of three years. We even had to switch um, our main character, Belle. The actress was different from the first season to the rest of it uh, because uh, she was going into a nursing degree and she just wasn't able to do it. But everyone else wanted to keep going. So it was just a fun, fun time creating a, you know, a southeastern Michigan um, TV show. I mean, really, it is a TV show. And this can be found. Is that a kitty? Is that a kitty cat? 
There's a kitty cat. Oh, hello, kitty cat. She's trying, she's trying to talk to you, too. She's like, let me talk to you about organ extraction and demons. I have a story about that. <laughs> it just so happens that my cousin, who's a demon. Exactly. Um. Uh. Now, this is you said this is on uh, YouTube? Yes. Yep. YouTube, Vampirism Bites. Uh, you can literally look that up and it'll be, it should be one of the first results still, I imagine, at this point. So, so many amazing things happened. I had um, a gentleman named Steve Bosworth in England who created custom va- molded vampire fangs out of dental acrylic, um, not just once, but three times. And he like dropped me a message on YouTube after my... I call it season zero, and that was literally when we were just trying to figure out what we were doing. The season zero stuff is technically really rough, a little rough around the edges, but um, it's part of the story, so I'm not ashamed of it at all. Just there's, you can tell that we were, I was trying to figure out, I was mostly running all the cameras, doing all the editing and such. But I got an email out of a guy named Steve Bosworth from England, and he's like, hey, would you like custom fangs for your lead actress? He's like, there's no vampire fangs. Well, I did that because I didn't have the money to get good fangs and plastic fangs that look like shit. Yeah, you can tell. Uh, This guy had you, he would send out a little bag of thermoplastic that you heated up in a cup of water. And then you would actually mold it around your teeth. And then when you sent it to him, he would actually make uh, dental acrylic vampire veneers based on however you wanted the canine shaved and shaped. Because he had like three or four different styles at the time. That would perfectly fit over your teeth, and they were just amazing, ridiculous fangs. For nothing. He did that for free three different times. Wow. Uh, Yeah, our theme song came from a guitarist in Sweden uh, who did... um, Was it Death Clock? (laughs) No, it wasn't (laughs) Death Clock. His name was Yeah, his name was Kettle Strand. He was just a Swedish guitarist. And he did uh, Toccata and Fugue in D minor... And if you're not a classical music nerd like me, that is the pet. That is the like ultimate vampire song of da da dum da 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 dum dum. Oh yeah, that yeah. Yeah, I can't do it. Well, exactly. You I think of the mean. church organ and all that. Well, he it was really cool. He did a version of it where he took the sheet music from the pipe organ and he played it. He read it from that music, but he played it on six string electric guitar. Damn. So we actually, yeah, it was pretty sweet. So that became our theme song. Um, we even had a chance to shoot a video with uh, extremely high-level YouTube star Freddie Wong. Uh, Freddie Wong and David Welch were actually scientists that popped up in an episode. They shot their side in L.A. Um, and it's it's a video conference call between two vampire hunters and the, the Vampire Sciences Division. Uh, because the vampire hunters are organized in a group called The Hunting Party. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah, and yeah. there's science division. There's these two just super dorky bro scientists. And uh, Freddie Wong was actually, Freddie and David were willing to shoot their side in L.A. And then we played it on this big screen television that one of our mutual friends had over here. So we could create the illusion of the live video chat. Uh, just a lot of ridiculous, really good fortune. And just four years of amazing fun. That is awesome. Now, do you have an actual like website website? Uh, no, not not really at this point. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we did um, is on our two YouTube channels. Uh, I haven't really done a website because right now I'm working on just like writing away. I haven't made stuff in a couple years. Just life got away from me. 
um, as it does, and adulting is shit. Let, let's admit this, ladies. Adulting is pretty shit, right? I was singing that today. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jeff, Holly, you know what's up, right? This adulting <laughs> stuff, pretty shit. Beginning of the week, adulting is even, you know, the worst. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, Garfield, I get you, man. I feel you, dog. <laughs> I had That's a long day, I, I so can't. adulting is right now. <laughs> I want to get in that cardboard box and put that blanket over my head, too, buddy. I get it now. <laughs> I reminds me of a Spongebob episode when they were using their imagination. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I I think but, we are, what, what were we going to say there? Oh, no, it's just, uh, yeah, no particular website, but you can see there's, um, YouTube has Vampirism Bites, and then there's also Tightrope, and that's sort of just, that's my production company, and uh, Tightrope is where we do all just sorts of comedy videos, and um, even your your man's has been in some of those videos. So we've had oh, that's that. right. Now, is this the one where it was like adults playing with guns? Yes, adults playing guns where uh, adults Starring use Jason regular Westlake. everyday objects. And then I used After Effects to actually have them have muzzle flashes and create the sounds of real guns. And they're all just trying to pick each other off uh, like little kids using pencils. Yeah, you know who uh, who sent me a video of that who totally squealed on it was uh, Josh Werner. Who is the art yeah, director? Yeah, Josh was part of those. Two. Yeah, oh, who Josh is was the huge art part. Yeah, he's the art director for uh, Source Point Press. Uh, he sent me those videos. He goes, "You want to see a blast from the past?" And I was showing Jason uh, screenshots of it. He's like, "No!" <laughs> the, the, the thing was, Jason did like so good in those because he was totally J. He was just himself, so it worked so well. And uh, those things are the best, man. He was hilarious in those. With Josh, it's hilarious because with Josh. Josh was in my first movie ever. I made a film in 2002. Um, and it was Captain Craptastic and the Rawhide Cowboy. Huh. And, uh, yeah, and, and, that, and Josh, um, Josh actually played, because my whole thing was the bad guys were literally a shadow government called Adam, and Adam was short for all deities or men. Yeah. So they were this hyper-patriot. It's, it's the shadow government we all blame for everything. Like, this is the Illuminati... Soros, Clintonati, Cabal of Evil, or whatever, and it's five douchebag guys. And Josh actually played the king of all pimps, um, Moses Boss. Yeah. And uh, it was amazing. Yeah, I dressed as a pimp, talking like a pimp. I had to like teach him how to talk like a pimp. It was a very proud day for me. Um, it was beautiful. I think I remember and I did not expect a decade later we would meet again for Vampirism Bites. It was out of nowhere, but like a decade later, he came back into Vampirism Bites and became part of the series. Aw. um i think we are going to uh take a break and then uh yeah there's something i want to talk about and i'm trying to look it up right now to find the story because i've been wanting to talk about it each time and then i just it popped in my head so i need to look it up okay uh, we will be back yes thank you so much james fernandez you're welcome thank you so much and again look up uh vampirism bites Yep. All right. On uh, YouTube and look up his company, Tightrope, as well. Uh, again, thank you so much, James. And when we come back, more crap. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> 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 From being trying to stay alive. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back. Um, so I've been racking my brain trying to find this story because I, uh, heard of it a while ago. So I had to go deep digging in 
my links and I finally found it. But it's actually a house that's located in Ohio. So that's even more interesting because it's pretty close. Um, it is called, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. It's called uh, Bel Air House. Is it the most haunted home in the world? That's the question. Is it Will Smith's uncle's house? <laughs> Just kidding. Where the Fresh Prince died. <laughs> Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Phil's still alive. Um, so it, they said that this looks like an innocent looking house, which I can show you a picture of it um, here in a minute. But um, And... Uh, the whole background of it is that it sits on top of a cursed coal mine, supposedly. Hmm. And it looks like it's straight out of a horror film. There. Let me, let me, because there's so much in here, I want to kind of skim through it. Uh, we're, we're running out of time, too. Uh, so. It was a vicinity of a sacred Na- Native American burial caves. Uh, why is everything centered around Native American burial? I feel like because <laughs> all of the United States is one big indigenous burial ground. Yep, they're about to hate all, haunt all of us white people because you know stealing their their land and stuff. So they say that there has been countless terrifying, violent experiences in the empty home. That it seems only a matter of time before this Ohio haunt cracks the paranormal top ten. Step inside the haunted Bel Air house and decide for yourself. Hmm. Uh, it has already started to gain a mysterious reputation while sitting abandoned for years. Some neighbors claim to see people milling around in the house or peeking out of the windows, even though the building was locked up tight. Yeah. Many blame the sightings on mischievous kids, but when the current owner, Kristen Lee, moved in, it didn't take long for the activity to manifest in more frightening ways. One evening, a gray apparition appeared to Kristen by leaning across the couch cushion while she was napping. Shocked, she quickly asked the man who he was and why he was in her home, <clears throat> only for Lee to watch him walk slowly to the foyer and disappear in thin air. <laughs> this mysterious figure seemed to signal the start of a long run of frightening brushes with the paranormal that became more and more violent the longer Kristen stayed in the Baylor house. Over the course of the next few months, Lee and her family were terrorized with constant bad luck, oppressive energies, and violent paranormal activity that peaked one evening when the family dog was thrown against a bedroom wall <gasps> while Kristen herself was held down by an unseen force. Yikes. That night was the final straw, and the family abandoned the well, terrifying building. Well, yeah, you don't building. throw the dog. <laughs> I know. Come on. Get mad at the people, slap not the animal. The, slap the kid, the, the, don't the, throw the, the dog. The dog's like a pawn to try to get some feels Aww. up in it. Um, unfortunately... Escaping the Bel Air house wouldn't be quite so easy. Despite the violent paranormal activity she experienced, Lee decided to rent the ho- um, home to, out to unsuspecting families. Isn't that cruel? That's evil. <laughs> this proved to be difficult. You're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> this proved to be difficult as tenants would only stay in the Bel Air house for a few months before moving out abruptly. They were too. They were. They too were experiencing terrible luck, even to the point of death. One claim states that a family of eight lost six family members before the remaining two packed up and left the property. How could you lose six before you left? Mm-mm. Okay. After years of stress associated with the haunted property, Kristen had enough and offered to sell the Bailey house to the village for a dollar, hoping to finally get rid of it. Wow. <laughs> and the mortgage it carried. Once and for all, no one wanted to buy the house, and after years of paranormal attacks, Shocker. locals knew 
it wasn't safe for anyone to live behind its walls. That's why when the idea to turn the house into a paranormal attraction was suggested, with the hopes that a regular influx of ghost hunters might keep the Beller house financially afloat while uncovering the source of its haunting once and for all. Between the years 2008 and 2012, the numerous ghost hunting teams, most notably the ghost uh, Kentucky Ghost <sighs> Scouts, which I've never heard of them. I'll have to look at them up. And Eyes of the Paranormal worked with Kristen Lee to dig up information about the house and land. And before long, answers and questions about what was haunting the property started to mature. Mature. I can't talk. Materialize. Yes, materialize. The investors discovered that the coal mine that ran under the Beller house had once been owned by a man named Jacob Heather Renton. When he died, he left the land and the house to his daughter, Eliza, and son, Edwin. But it wasn't long afterwards that Eliza died on the dining room floor of the home. Distraught, Edwin became obsessed with the idea of contacting her from the other side. And mediums were brought in from all across the country to help Edwin connect with his deceased sister. After countless spirit communication attempts, Edwin was hooked. He began studying the occult, attempting to strengthen his own psychic ability. And according to many mediums and paranormal experts, the grieving young young man unknowingly opened portals to the other side all over the house. (laughs) Various ghost hunters have reported that up to 11 portals are located throughout the house. And despite the best efforts of mediums, these portals refuse to stay closed. Since the house has been open to ghost hunters, there has been a normal number of incidents that the Beller House tour guides have classified as demonic activity, the most notorious of which being a full-on physical assault. During an evening tour, one of the building's guides was carrying an armful of equipment down the stairs when he felt something tug him violently. Thrown off balance and unstable, un- un- unable to staff himself. Sorry, I'm trying to read really fast. and uh, To staff himself, his free arm went straight through the second floor window, nearly knock, uh, knocking him clear through. Oh, my God. The Beller House's reputation for frightening activity has even reached paranormal investigators Nick, Nick Groff, which is um, one of the guys that um, was you know associated with Ghost Adventures, and Katrina uh, Weidman, who spent 72 hours locked inside the building in <laughs> season two's seventh episode of Paranormal Lockdown, airing Jan- January 20th, 2017. Screw that. Uh, sculpting shadows, phantom footsteps, and disembodied voices are just some of the strange phenom- phenomena nope. that visitors have not only experienced but documented during investigations of the Beller House. Many ghost hunters believe that the activity becomes more and more active as you make your way towards the second floor, which is what is often described as the epicenter of the house's activity. But it seems that the violent haunting is even bigger than the Bel Air house itself. When it comes in to understanding the supernatural activity being reported around the paranormal property, one of the most interesting pieces of information surrounding the Bel Air house is that the haunting isn't s- simply affecting one home. The activity is happening in many of the nearby buildings as well. Many investigators have concluded that the haunting is less about the house and more about the land, which is understandable when you look at the history of the area as fans uh, the unexplained were all too familiar with the biggest, most popular haunts, and it's sometimes easy to discount places that have yet to reach the same level of fame. We're often drawn to researching places that have built up massive, massive reputations as being the most haunted hotel, hospital, and house in the country, when in fact they're the one, ones that need the least researching. Um, <clears throat> and... 
that's pretty much the gist of this whole thing. But I find it really interesting that um, with this, that the that the um, son was trying to contact his sister and he became almost obsessed with it and um, unknowingly opened up portals all over the house and up to 11 portals. And he was trying to strengthen his own psychic abilities. And that's what they're saying is a huge effect on this house being haunted. Is that little asshole trying to push it to the next level? He was too extra. Open yeah. them portals. Come on now. Stop being all aggressive with your black magic and shit. You right. do bad shit. Have you not watched <laughs> Supernatural or literally any show or movie Have you about not supernatural shit ever? Harry Potter. I understand grieving <laughs> anything. I understand grieving, but man. I mean, I grieve Dude. over people, but I'm not sitting there with a Ouija board and I don't know, Begging some witchy, witchy shit trying to be like, hey, grandma, come hang out with me. Uh, when we gonna play baseball? <laughs> was that we blood just painting? Me one more time, oh, please. That's, that's who it was. He Grandma probably the he's painting. the one who got the blood painting. Yeah, that's it. Mm. Grandma, <laughs> totally why did you buy? People. Why did you buy me this blood painting? It matched <laughs> my nail polish. <laughs> what, <laughs> Grandma? It matched my soul. It was dark. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that code. <laughs> sorry. It's because she fell into a portal. So <laughs> I looked up Belair Haunted House. It says that um, it's still I, made it will spin. It says that uh, it says Belair House Tours LLC, historical place museum in Belair, Ohio. No, <laughs> nope. I want to go visit ninety nine. Belmont Street, Bel Air, Ohio. I want to go play some hopscotch with some spirits. <laughs> Typical white people. <laughs> Man, this place is haunted as fuck. This is Let's what it go. looks like. It does look like your typical kind of, you know, quaint little. Back as a chick from the Exorcist. Eh, puking everywhere. Right. Someone's trying to extract it from me. Get the demon out. Yeah, that looks like a creepy-ass house. You gotta post a picture of that on the watch list so people can enjoy the full creepiness of the house that is the Bel Air estate. So they can zero Not in on the people looking through the window. Pins. I don't know if you guys can see this, but... Um, they got a ton of acreage over there. Yeah, that's like... Oh. It's by a highway. Right oh. off the highway. Hell no. <laughs> you as you're doing that 360, the highway to hell. I just imagine that you like panning back, and then there's some guy's face like right there, like bah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see that snake video on Facebook? Snake. <laughs> I love snakes. where it's like it's a snake that's going in a box, and all you see is its back end, and it's like going into a shoebox, and then the person's going to look in the shoebox, like you're more, and then <laughs> and then they pick up Not the shoebox like lid. And then it, the snake comes out and ah! <laughs> what'd you think was gonna happen? <laughs> it tries to trick you. You went and scared the snake. Oh, but it's just like just to scare you. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> but uh, I always find stories a lot more interesting, especially when you know with them being closer to home. Yeah, because uh, it's creeping up on you on all I sides. I don't know how far <laughs> Bel Air is from you know. Here, but well, Ohio is pretty damn big, so it could be anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> I got like a cold chiller during that story. I did too, and I don't like it. Maybe it's it's this. 
Maybe it's the air conditioning. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was Memphis. I thought they put the air conditioning to on or onto. <laughs> yeah. This huh? feels like level two. <laughs> um, let's see. Five hours and two minutes away. Bel Air is. Oh, James Fernandez just sent a, a link fart. for Jess. Not a far drive to get possessed. Yeah. <laughs> Who's down? Not, a, not far enough for that house to be away from me. <laughs> I'm I'm forwarding a, a message from James Fernandez to you, Jess. Oh, he loves her. No, it's about the 3D heart. Pain. Yeah, I figured that. I figured it'd be some details. Cause it's probably like, hmm, I wonder what they are using for that because you can't just build a heart out of plastic. So, good looking out, dude. Well, where's Zach Baggins uh, buying that house for a dollar? Yeah, this. <laughs> somebody email him quick. I should I should write him and be like, hey, you know, Bel Air's. Haunted house in Ohio was up, was up for sale for a dollar. Where are you? He's probably <laughs> where like, were I you spent on that? Three hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> She's playing the bell. <laughs> Go for sale. <laughs> My house is for sale. Where yeah, <laughs> gonna be your outro today. <laughs> so this is a story all about how. My, My life got turned upside down, <laughs> and my dog got smacked against the wall. <laughs> My mom got uh, possessed by a man named Saul. <laughs> I like how you did the Elvis lip curl on that. <laughs> this is too much. This is too extra. Sorry. It's so extra. I'm, I'm starting to use it now because all the kids are using that. And I'm just like, all, the cool all kids these kids are using that term Why there, so extra. extra? Extra, extra, read all about it. I, I mean, I don't, see, I don't know. See, that's what makes me. Like, I want to say that, like, extra, read all about it. <laughs> Back in my day, extra was just to read all about it. <laughs> Being so extra meant reading the paper. <laughs> what makes you so extra, you little fucker? <laughs> I say that to a kid at work. <laughs> Do you think you're sitting there eating that yeah, little makes you extra? Millennial. You little millennial. The kid's like two. <laughs> I'll you put you like a football. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I'm very tired. I think we all are. So, <laughs> okay. So, uh, and again, thank you, James Fernandez, for coming on with us. And uh, his you. production company is Tight Rope, and that is tight with a Y, T-Y. Um, check out Tightrope Productions. Um, also check out um, his YouTube as well. Um, Vampirism Bites. And uh, yeah. And uh, so I think it was a really good show. Okay. If someone goes to Bel Air, uh, Ohio and sees that house and takes a tour, let us know. <laughs> yeah. If you got a dollar. I challenge you. If you got a dollar, them go to a holla. So go to Bel Air, buy a house for a dollar. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, I'm Keith Pierce. I'm Holly Ogden. And Jess. Hey. Yay!